And so then, who are you and what do you do? I'm Alex Schiavone. I'm the executive director of Friend Center for Children. I would say, first and foremost, I'm a parent. I should have started with that. <laughs> um, parenting adults now, that's a whole new world. Yeah. But um, yeah, 21 and 19-year-old. And um, I also work as the co-chair. I didn't work, actually. It's volunteer work. As the co-chair of Child Care for Connecticut's Future, which what? is a coalition to really basically get decision makers to do what they're supposed to do in the first place. But we work hard to help them see the value and understanding of her early care and education across the state. How long have you been involved in child care and uh, childhood education? Yeah. So you're asking me how old I am, aren't you? No, uh, no. I'm yeah. asking you how old I am. That's okay. Been... I'm 53. I'm 53. Okay. I uh, started working with children when I was 16. So, and I have only had one other job my whole life. It was a summer job. I worked at the New Haven Mall back when it was a mall. In a place called the Coffee Connection. I don't even drink coffee, so you can imagine what a disaster that was. Yeah. But it was fun. Um, and I just love children, so I've, I've been doing that basically my whole life. First job um, really out of school was working with infants and toddlers, and I've worked in every grade between birth through grade six. When you um, say out of school, was that college or high school? Um College is when I got my first infant toddler job, and then grad school. Um, I also went back in infant toddler after I had my graduate degrees. What did you study in school? I did. So I was my undergrad. I was I went to Union College in upstate New York. Undergrad was English. You know, I had no idea really what I was going to do. So I did a basic English, which I loved. Um, minor in economics, and then I went to grad school for elementary and early childhood education. I think the why I went to grad school is interesting, or why I wanted to work with children is really, uh, um, uh, my pathway was about trying to, I guess, heal myself, and I really wanted to be a mom and have kids, and there was no way I had it, I could do it based on the experience I had, so I basically went and got a degree to figure out how to be a parent, um, and it helped a lot, just in terms of child development and trauma and recognizing, understanding patterns. And then it turned out I could use that for good for other children, too, not just my own. So. What do you mean, heal yourself? Well, um, I had really great opportunities as a young person with regard to my race, my, my socioeconomic class, great educational opportunities. I was in, you know, fantastic progressive schools from preschool all the way through grad school. Um, at that same time, so I had this really... Um, sort of positive and easy route with regard to that. At the same time, I was, I am the daughter of an alcoholic and um, a cocaine abuser. Um, and because of that, that was my mother, and because of that experience that she was living and going through, she was not able to be a good parent. Um, so her demons really ruled our relationship. And so I was um, physically and emotionally abused by her. And then because um, the relationship with her husband, who happened to be my father, um, was so dysfunctional, they really weren't able to parent and put me in safe um, spaces or positions. So I was put in positions where my boundaries were crossed, uh, physical and sexual, before I was 16, by many different people. So it really was, for me, 
Um, and by the way, this is a whole fascinating thing. We could spend hours talking about how okay. the brain works, but you know, I didn't remember any of that till I was about 40. So I knew something was wrong. I, I really had blocked out everything under the age of 10 until um, I was around 40, 42. And um, I just think that's bad. I mean, I just think the brain is this amazing, so magical. Like it knew I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Right. So it like protected me until I could. So how did you have all these educational opportunities but have such a turbulent yeah. home life? I think it's a pro- – I mean um, – if you have money and you're white, you can do pretty much anything you want. Yeah. Right? We know that in our society, we see it all the time and all the ways it shows up. We are getting to a point where it doesn't matter what color you are. If you have money, you can pretty That's much do true. whatever you want. That's true. Money, money definitely Allows divides you. Yeah. much more now than any sort of um, race or yep. sexuality. Yep. Or I still think that our country is way more sexist than it is racist. Yeah. It always has been. Interesting. Um. But it's interesting that it, it's now being separated by classes more than it has been in the past, which I think is a long time coming. Yeah. But I think that they just keep creating new, um, they create new, what's the word, uh, minorities hmm. to create to a power, new- have power over. Yeah. So like it was, you know, there was, there was, there was slavery and then it turned to- you know, it was like, okay, well, the black people need rights. And then it became black men got their rights, but women didn't. Mm. And the women had to fight for their rights. And then yeah. it was like, okay, well, now this group of people is the new group of people. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, now the gay group of people is right. now the new minority. And then it was like, okay, well, now they're starting to become equal. So now let's create this trans group and we'll focus yeah, on that, that now. Right. So it's like, okay, let's keep creating new groups yeah. to have a minority so that way they don't realize that we're actually just dividing people by class at a certain point. Yeah, and or, and it's how we're reacting to people who are, correct, right? Because we're not creating groups, we're just reacting to right. them in this way that is we're going to dominate you. Right. Right, because that's what we've done. Right, it's and I feel history. like there's, it's all, at a certain point, it's like a, it feels like a distraction. Yeah. Because I feel like the vast majority of people don't care as much as the media makes people care about that stuff. Do you think that's true? Or do you think we live in a place where we're, we have enlightened people around us? I worry about that a well, lot. If you look at it based on population, yeah, right. The majority of the high population areas yeah. are much right, more understanding yeah, yeah, of yeah. people's differences. Right. So based on the numbers, so I think the vast majority, I think area wise, you're going to find a, a much larger area. Yeah. Of the country, like right. the very, like so almost the, the whole, college. It's the, the whole, whole middle and then the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the whole way yeah. that the electoral college is yeah, set up yeah. to protect yeah, yeah. the, the irrational the thinking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, right. The, the minority of, it, yeah, of thought. Of, right. But right? also the minority of numbers. Correct. The minority yeah. of, right. That minority yeah. of number equals yeah. minority of thought yeah, in yeah, my yeah, world. Yeah. Okay. Right? I see what you're saying. Yeah. So. Yeah. That minority of thought and minority of individuals yeah. is protected by the electoral college yeah. Yeah. because they have to have a voice too. Yep. And it becomes, okay, well, at what point does the actual majority of the people in the country yeah. dictate right, right. what's going on with how we're going to handle the next phases of things? Right. But I, I think the vast majority of of even just the menial education level of just high school, depending on how they're raised in their home, 
yeah. are pretty open-minded hmm. to like, yeah, okay, you're, that's fine. It's you. Yeah. Just don't put it in my face. Right, right, right. That's what I hear a lot, right? I hear that a lot of, it's fine if they're gay. Just don't throw it in my face. It's fine if they're this. Just don't throw it in my yeah. face. And it's like, I don't know if they're throwing it in your face. Yeah, just by being I think they are. I just yeah. think they're, they're working towards getting equality. Yeah, yeah. And you're seeing that as an offense. Yeah. And that's where I step in and try and be rational with people that are, yeah. are misunderstanding right, right. that, oh, it's being thrown in my face. Well, it's not really being thrown in your face. It's just that when women marched for their rights, they were constantly marching for their rights. And they were constantly, right. when black folks were yeah, it was all going, after, it was, it's all Martin Luther yeah. King, Malcolm yeah. X. Like we, we were always, and whomever else was before that, right? Like I don't know enough about history in yeah. general to, to claim to know all the right. to know all of the people that worked all the way through slavery up through right. where we are today. But the point is is we are constantly fighting that battle as a whole group to help get equality a thing. Yeah. Um so it's it's very interesting to me when this triggered what triggered me was the the idea that you yes, have yeah, you could be white you're white and, and with money and yeah, wealthy yeah. And you have more so, educational so opportunity. Like for contextual time was the seventies. Okay. Right. So if you're white and had money, yes. In the seventies, in the way I phrase it is, if you have money and you're crazy, you're called eccentric, mm-hmm. and if you don't have money and you're crazy, you're homeless. Right. And that's basically like what happened in my household. I, we're full of eccentrics, and eccentrics aren't always bad. No. It's just. Um, you know, should you be a parent when you're also eccentric to the point where you can't provide a safe environment? Probably not. Well, that so, becomes a bigger conversation, right? right about of, parenting. About, well, parenting alone, but also this idea of how do we stop people from having kids? Because it's one of the only freedoms that we don't have any sort of regulation on. Yeah. Like literally, if you can make a baby, you can have a baby. Yeah. And then we'll take it away if you don't take care of it. But then there's no real strong or healthy system. But we take it away and put them into complete dysfunction. Right, into complete Complete disarray and dysfunction. And I mean, you have experience a lot with that. Yeah, I have have six adopted siblings, and then I adopted my niece, who's now my daughter. And I adopted her when she was two and a half. She's 15 now. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I've watched it my whole life, and I I get it. And I – yeah, and that's kind of where – it becomes a really tricky conversation of where do we... We regulate everything. Right, well, and that's where like Roe v. Wade became very controversial yeah. in my head of like, well, why are we making this illegal again? Why are we... Some people are not ready and they need to have that option. Option, yeah, for sure. Right, this has to... And I love the people that are like, well, we're pro-life, but you're not pro-life if you're not going to take care of the life. Absolutely not. If you're not investing all of yourself into protecting these lives, then don't go marching around saying you're pro-life. Yeah. Also, I hate the argument of pro-life versus pro-choice because yeah, as if it's not, as it's, if it's not linear. Being pro-choice like, is not pro-life. And get, right. It's, it's you're pro-choice. Big. You're just anti-choice. Yeah, you want right, to make right, the choice right, for me. It's anti-choice. Right. You're just anti-choice. Yeah. yeah. So they dress it up nice yeah. so it can sound better yeah. because they're very good at marketing yeah. on that team. Yeah. But very good. The reality is, is that it's just anti-choice. Well, the whole this whole idea that we, um, I'm actually reading, a, a, just finished a book about uh, a woman who was in the DCF system for twelve of her first fourteen years. Yeah, and one of the things that she does a really good job of talking about is akin to what you're saying, which is 
they took her away from her mom because her mom didn't have money, mm -hmm. and they paid a stranger to watch her, who then abused her. You know, right in nine different foster homes, there, and but this doesn't happen. This didn't happen in all the foster homes, but in one particular one. And you know, so it's this mindset that if you, it's like the bootstraps mindset. Like you got to pull yourself up. You got to take care of yourself. You got to pay for yourself. If you don't, we're going to take your child away, but we're going to pay someone else to watch your kid. But we're not going to give you the help. That's a very interesting. This was happened to be in Florida, where this person was from. Yeah, it's very interesting. It happens here too. Yeah, but I don't know enough about Connecticut. In the, it's. In general, if you generalize it, but in Connecticut, I feel like they make effort to keep families together because they tried to keep my daughter, Brianna, with yeah. her bio family as mm -hmm. much as they could. But when you're when you're a thief yeah, some and point when it's you're not healthy, a right? sex worker yeah, or yeah. you're a drug addict yeah. or you're if you're creating a really unhealthy, unsafe yeah. environment and they know about it, they have to they, remove, they have to remove yeah. the child. They Agreed. have to remove you from... And then they try and give visitation and they try and give you, they're paying, in my experience, they're paying the foster family to help with the income. Yeah, they should. Of, right. If, right. But they're also giving visitation to the bio family yeah. and they're, they're giving them treatment and they're saying, okay, well, here's a facility that you can go to, to, to work out your shit and your trauma yeah. and your right, demons. Right. So you can hopefully get healthier. And some do. I don't know what the actual numbers I are. Either. I mean, Tyler could probably Google it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what the numbers are of success stories of people that are drug addicts or sex workers or thieves or criminals. Or mentally. Unwell. Or mentally unwell. Yeah. Getting stable yeah, getting and getting what they yeah. need in order to get their child back. Yeah. I don't know what. But in my personal experience, it is rare. It is very rare for a person that is that far into their trauma and mental health stuff to get out of it in order to raise their kid. Well, if you think about it from the perspective of what it takes to manage those demons, mm -hmm. like again, personal experience, right? Yep. I, I became a mom at 28 and was intent on breaking the cycle. So for me, it was a really intentional all the time, I'm not going to be X, Y, or Z. I want yep. my children. You know, when my children both turned 18 and they hadn't been assaulted in any way, it was like I could breathe a sigh of relief. I mean, not that I ever want them assaulted, right? right. But it was like this moment of like, wow, they have had a totally different life than I did. Yeah, that's great. But it took me, I was 28. You know what I mean? Like I'd started working on that when I was 16, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, I'm, and it still took me another 10 years to get what I would say stable, right? Yep. I mean, like, so the expectation that you're taking a child away from someone when they're two and they're going to be, have it together by the time they're four, it's not realistic. It's not realistic. Managing addiction, managing mental health, managing all the things. And these are systemic and generational things. Like right. my mother is the way she is because of her mother. Correct. Because of her mother, right? I mean, it's a long line of alcoholics, a long line of undiagnosed mental health, right? So these are generational traumas. And if we don't acknowledge those, this is what gets me so frustrated about um, the system in Connecticut, the way the child care system, because early care and education, when it's done well, is an intervention in all these things. It's a way to have intimacy with the family, because once they go to school, they hop on a bus and they go to school. You don't see the parents mm -hmm. in our field. Parents are coming in every day. You have a relationship with them and you can have a relationship with them for five to seven years, depending on they have one or two children. Right. They have three, it could be 10 years, right? And so you're seeing that family evolve, shift, change. You're watching 
relationships, abuse relationships, you're creating space and, and support for that unit to get through that. Without that support, which so many families don't have because they can't afford it and because it's not high quality in, in our state, you're missing an opportunity. Right. And we just keep doing it generation after generation after generation. Why do we not want what's best for the younger version of ourselves? Why do we continually make choices that we know didn't work for us? Like, what's wrong with us? I think that's a big, that's a loaded question. Yes, it is. I think that it comes down to, I think a lot of people don't realize that there's anything wrong. I think there's a lot of people that live in this shitty existence existence, and don't realize that it could be better. Mm. They don't realize. And then there's also that idea of the worst thing that ever happened to you is just the worst thing that ever happened to you. So like your kids, right? I know you have a daughter. And yeah. Do you have a son? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So you have one of each. Yeah. So the worst thing that ever happened to them is the worst thing that ever happened to them. And that will create some sort some version of trauma for yeah. them. Yeah. It's divorce. Right. For sure. It's whatever it's it is. Our, yeah. Right. Like whatever it is, yeah. it's going to. So far. Right. Whatever, like, I don't care if it's like as much as, and this isn't your kids, but in general, just if you wanted a BMW and your dad got you a Mercedes, yeah, totally. that's the worst thing that ever yeah, happened yeah. to you. So now that's going to create trauma and it doesn't create trauma because you didn't get the right car. It creates trauma because you feel like you weren't loved. Yeah. You feel that moment says you didn't listen to me. You hurt my feelings. You don't care about me because this is all I wanted and you didn't give me that. And that's the generalized thing that happens across the class the classes of of America anyways is that idea of like I needed this thing or I wanted this thing and I didn't get it so it created trauma I needed to be safe yours yeah. was much worse than mine and and what yeah, whomever's like everybody's is different and yeah. everything is relative yeah right so I had very loving parents that loved me very much and did all they could to love all the kids in my home yeah I believe that there was too much trauma in my home. Yeah, based from for other, other any of us. Yeah, yeah. To come out of it without any sort of trauma. Yeah. Well, if you put six traumatized right. people together. Right. And then there's in their me. Formative years. Right. Yeah. And you. Right. And then there's me, who's right. the one biological, yeah, which yeah. creates its own oh, set of tra trauma. Definitely. Right. Like now I'm the one that doesn't fit. Right. Everybody else is adopted. Right, right, right. Everybody else has a sibling in the house yeah. that's biologically linked. Yeah. I'm the one biological that's not connected to anybody. Yeah. And for a long time I had struggled with that and but not until I was in my 20s hmm. did I even make Realize note it. of it yeah. and really like work through that until people started asking me like oh your siblings are adopted oh what's that like oh yeah. what was it like to be the only biological one and I was like well I didn't huh. really fit yeah. right like <laughs> and then I had all these memories come up of like oh well I didn't fit or oh I wasn't I wasn't the one that had this issue or that right, issue. Because or I wasn't like, unhoused or because I wasn't, correct. I didn't lose my parents, I should be fine. Right. Yeah. And I lived in that for a very long yeah, time. Right. right. I lived in that idea of, well, I shouldn't do drugs because I don't have any reason to. Right. I shouldn't drink because I don't have any reason to. So I didn't have my first drink until I was 25 hmm. because I lived this whole existence of like, well, all of these things are things that people do that are bad choices because of their world that they grew yeah, up yeah, in yeah. or lived in or they had from their parents or right because I was taught that alcoholism is a disease. Yeah. And I I don't believe that alcoholism is the disease. Oh, I believe that there's trauma involved that is the disease. 
and alcohol alcoholism is the personal cure and or it is the symptom yeah of whatever the trauma was or the medicine i mean i think it's right i think it is sort of a self medication right it's a self-medicated yeah. situation yeah. where it's like okay i'm gonna do these drugs or i'm gonna drink yeah, because i can't because manage this right yeah. it's gonna dull the pain it's yeah. gonna it's gonna take me out of the reality that i hate and put me into a reality yeah, totally. that i enjoy and then you keep chasing it right right so you're always chasing let's call it chasing the dragon right, right. like you're always right, chasing right. this this high or this feeling that you can never get back to and then the ironic thing is when you drink or do drugs you get hung over so you have this this cycle, yeah. This cycle of feeling as low as you can feel and then going back to as high as you can feel and then just looking for something to make you feel even better than the last time or is it, you know, like whatever it's going to be that's going to make us feel, is it going to be sex? Is it going to be drugs? Is it yeah. going to be alcohol? Is it going to be well, there's extreme sports? Is it going to be, what is it work. that's going to work? Like what's going to fill the void yeah, inside totally. of me until I can figure, and if we just spent more time understanding the first years of children, right? Those first years, especially the first two years, I don't think people realize how much. Yeah, we don't. How important those first two years of love, protection, intimacy. Yeah. Well, just brain development, right? right. If you if you think about it, there's so many things that you said that I wanted to reflect on. Yeah, go so we've got to get back to the brain development. But this idea, I, I do, I, I, hesitate a little bit or pause a little bit on the use of the word trauma um, because I think there are really, this speaks to brain development. There are things that happen that change the pathways in your brain, Mm -hmm. like like traumas that happen. And that resonates more in terms of when you're talking about your family and the children who are in your family versus the, the, I, I always joke, I had a friend who once had a bat in her closet or something and she called me up. She's like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And I was like, man, I always want to hide in your closet and punch you in the face so that you know really <laughs> what, what a bad thing is. Because finding a bat in your closet is like, that doesn't even register on my scale, right? It's yeah. like, so that's so why I do think there's levels of trauma. And I think you're right. Like people feel their trauma based on their, their grit and their life experiences, yeah. what has happened to them. And I think they're very clinical diagnoses and um, standards around trauma that is doing what you're saying, what you were trying to talk about what it does, which is really impact the way that our brains are wired. Mm-hmm. And that wiring, so if that in those young, you know, 80% of our brain is developed by three, by yep. the time we're three years old. So those connections that are happening between the brain, it's not like you're learning everything. You don't have 80% of everything you've learned by your three. No. That's where people get sort of confused on this. But like, you are creating the pathways that will allow you to think for the rest of your life. And if they are not stimulated and those pathways are not created, they actually don't come back. Like they die. So trauma also interrupts that, um, the wiring so that your brain actually is hardwired a different way. So your reactions to things become trauma reactions. So I have that. So if you were, if we're sitting here and there was a loud noise, I would jump. Like I would have an on not, not just a small jump, I'd have a visceral reaction because that's a trauma reaction. My, my brain is now hardwired to react to loud noises, to uncertain things in a way that a healthy, like a non-trauma, trauma, traumatized brain wouldn't react. They'd be like, oh, that's a noise. Let me check it out. Yeah. Whereas for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? 
So those patterns, I can't interrupt those patterns. And it's really frustrating. Like, you know, think about you're driving in a car and someone beeps a horn. Like everyone gets a little bit tense, but like I get a full sweat. Like my heart stops. Like I can't, I start shaking. Completely unreasonable response to this little thing. That If it was an accident, that you could, that seems like a reasonable response. But that, so I've, I didn't know what was happening though the first like, 30. I was like, why, why am I having these reactions? It was only like through this work that I do with children and, and trauma that I realized like this is what happens when mm-hmm. your brain is wired to release those hormones, fight or flight hormones. And I'm always in those two modes. I'm always like fighting or <laughs> flighting, you know, yeah. I'm never just in rest. That's exhausting. It's gotta be exhausting. And um, I think there's a huge correlation in our society between, and if I were gonna do drug like i yeah i just don't do drugs or drink because i grew up with an alcoholic addict but it makes sense to me you know like i make sense to me why people do it if Mm -hmm. you're feeling like this a lot of the time yeah i didn't you said you were 25 when i was 25 when i took my first drink i don't drink a lot now yeah like i don't like very rare yeah like maybe Maybe once a month, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's stretching. But that's, like, that's that's not normal. I mean, the only people yeah. that I know who don't drink are either really religious. Yeah. Or they ha- they're recovering. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of people who just don't do it. And then when I that was the first time I smoked weed as well was when I was yeah. 25. Those are the only yeah substances I've ever done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides my meds for my bipolar and my yeah, ADHD. Yeah, yeah you gotta um, stick with that. But. I don't anymore, actually. We'll talk about that too yeah, later. Yeah, my son maybe. doesn't do his ADHD meds anymore. Um, anymore. I'm, I'm whispering. But then, but then when, when marijuana became legal, yeah. and I found out that it could help with sleep because yeah. I struggle sleeping because I have like insomnia, so Me I'm too. up to like 3, 4 in the morning. We should have done this at 4 a.m. Yeah, we could have. I mean, <laughs> literally could have. Tyler would have been Tyler. asleep. <laughs> Tyler would have done it at 2, not 4. Because he doesn't go to bed till late. Right. It's older people who go to bed and wake up. Yeah. Um, but I literally didn't sleep at all through my 20s. I like, got oh, like two, three hours so really... of night. Um, but now I'll take like an edible yeah. at like nine o'clock, eight, eight, nine o'clock, and it'll just like mellow cr- me out. I feel like crap in the morning when I, I've tried them. Water. Lots of water. Lots of water. But then don't you just wake up peeing all night? No. I don't get it. You just, well, if you hydrate throughout the day okay, more. Okay, and then, all right. That uh, seems to dehydrate, it, because that's what happened to me. I was feeling like kind of hungover yeah, and weird. Like, yeah, And totally. then a buddy of mine was like, are you drinking enough water? Okay. And I was like, maybe not. Because like, <laughs> I usually drink a lot of water. Yeah. But I typically drink a bunch of water at night, like when I was just sitting around, yeah. because that's when I was yeah. doing nothing. So I was like, oh, I'll drink 17 cups of water while I'm <laughs> right watching TV doing nothing right before bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as I drink more water now yeah. and then take an edible before yeah. I go to bed, it helps. Yeah. And then plus I had got a CPAP because I had apnea yeah. and everything yeah. else. So now everything, now I get really good sleep and I feel <laughs> really good all it the time. It changes everything. It changes the whole way you see the, the world. Everything. Everything. Like I'm in a death match with my bed. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel almost every night. I basically nap from like 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. Yeah. That's how it feels. Yeah. Well, I used to just take random naps. That's- like oh, when I had like an, yeah, like yeah. if I had like an hour or two here or there, yeah, I can't do that. I would just nap and then keep living and then yeah. nap and then keep living and right. So I because I never could get like full long blocks of sleep in. I'm not a very like jealous person. Like I never really sort of want what other people like. I'm always sort of 
But sleep is the thing where I get really jealous, envious. Like I want it and people are like, I only need five hours. And I'd be president if I only needed five hours and I got good sleep every night. uh, Yeah, my wife can go to bed at like 7.30 and sleep until 8 the next day. Yeah, so I'm just like. Good for you. <laughs> Is that really um, what you're like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't like I don't get it, but I'm like, I don't yeah, that's it's a lot. Funny. I also think I blame FOMO for it a lot because I have this oh, big really? fear of missing out oh, on stuff. Oh really? Yeah, because I'm like, oh well, there's stuff going on. I gotta what I'm gonna what, miss. What it. are you missing? Yeah, what am I missing? What are you missing? Like live. Well, what do you think you're missing? I don't know. Anything. <laughs> Tyler, what are you doing at 3 a.m. that that he'd be missing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, in New, when I lived in New York, okay. you'd be listening yeah. to the whole world yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that's all right, right, right. South Windsor. South Windsor, you're not. <laughs> but in my 20s, I lived in New York. Yeah. Right? So when I was in New York, there was always stuff happening. So it was like, oh, well, and then I waited tables in New York, which most bars don't close until 2 or yeah, 4 yeah. in the morning on the yeah. weekends. So you were up working until 4 anyways. Right. So then you would go to the bar after you got out of work. Right. So then you're up until 6 or 7. So basically, you you're go missing waiting tables. Yeah. <laughs> I loved and, waiting tables too. Where, where were you in New York? Uh, all over. I was in Astoria. I was in uh, Union Square. I was yep. in Bensonhurst. I was in Sunset Park. You were all over. What? I don't know how old you are. I am forty-four. Okay, I was trying to think about your twenties versus. I was in New York too for grad school and then stayed for ten years. Oh, okay. Where'd you go? I went to Bank Street. Okay. Bank Street College of Education. Yeah, which is just like the 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 pinnacle of a progressive <laughs> education pathway yeah. that I had. Just amazing. So yeah. loved it there. My son is in um, uh, right now working in Harlem with uh, children in, in a camp called Common Ground. And he's the older one? He is. He's 21. So he's at Kenyon, but they're for home for the summer. Doing and he home. was taking ADH meds. Yeah. And, and he now stopped. he, do- he yeah. stopped. Yeah. Why did he stop? Do you know? Yeah, He didn't like the way it was sort of impacting his ability to think or be his true self. So he's figuring that out for himself. Yeah. He's a really... Um, I'll tell you, this is my favorite story about my son. So, you know, had these kids, had had spent all this time figuring out how not to abuse my child. I was basically my life's mission. Like, how am I going to be a good, loving mom? I didn't have one. I didn't know what yep. it was like. Like, you know, love in our household was like, I love you so much, I'm going to kill you. You know, it's like that mm-hmm. sort of messed up version of what real love is. So it took me a long time to unlearn that and relearn how to be vulnerable and intimate and all those things. Yeah. So I had, so, and I did it, like I had that, but what I didn't think about at all is like, what kind of partner you choose, right? I, I repeated patterns that I had grown up with. So I yeah. picked a partner who, um, who reinforced some of the patterns I had before. Let's leave it at that. Sure. And so here I are, I'm getting divorced and I have a two and a four year old. So like I had solved one pattern and then put my kids into this dysfunction again in the second pattern so anyway we moved for like the third time and you know i spent all this time with them talking about how it doesn't matter what house you're in it matters who you're with and like what you're creating and that was sort of our mantra so we moved maybe to the seventh time into our final house and i was like my kid pen was in his bedroom like they again they're young now they're like five and three and um i'm in my office home working way like freaking out about stuff I've done to them, right? I mean, it's just, and my, I, I have to say, the best advice I got from a teacher, my pediatrician at the time was, you know, if you're thinking about it, you're doing a good job. And I was like, great, because yeah. I'm thinking about it all the time, about how I'm messing it up. And so Penn comes in, he's in his pajamas, he is like, 
He's like, I said, why aren't you asleep? It's like middle of the night. He's like, I just needed to tell you something. I'm like, okay. He's like, I just want you to know I'm, I, I chose you. I chose you. And I said, oh, honey, I choose you too. And he said, no, 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 mom. Before I was born, I was looking around and I chose you. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to bed and gave me a kiss. And I was like, this. I wanted to be like, F you. That's so much pressure. Now I really got to do it well. But it was just like such this moment of like, wow, like these kids have an existence before that we don't know about and we lose it as we get to adults, but he was still connected to this time. And yeah, that's an interesting thing, right? It's a fascinating, yeah. it's another fascinating topic. I don't even know if I believe in it. It's just what happened to me. Yeah. Right? I don't, like, like I've heard other kids do other that. Stories yes, about me too. kids saying that yeah, kind of stuff yeah, though. Yeah. And he's always been an old, the whole point of that to say he's always been a, um, relatively astute and old soul like he's the kind of kid who's like uh you know when when i was dating and the partner i have now who's amazing and uh, you know was introducing him to the kids and my daughter was like i'm not having any of that you know like no we had a safe word when she felt she wasn't being given enough attention we had to you know she'd say orange and i'd have to give her more attention i mean just ridiculous and my son i'm like how are you he's like mom if you're happy i'm happy right it's like yeah that's the kind of kid he is and just sort of really astute. Anyway, this is all to say when he, you know, he's diagnosed with ADHD. He's been his whole life. We knew that early on and didn't do medication, then did. And then now he's at a place where he's like, I don't really need it. And it really interrupts my patterns of thinking and how I show up in the world. And I said, that's fine. You know, like what strategies are you putting in place to, to make sure that you feel successful then do it so that's what he's working on and he's been fine he's at kenyan and doing well and yeah if you can if you can find a way to be conscious of your medication and what it's doing then you can work on getting off the med yeah tell us about your experience but so i'm bipolar Uh and i have adhd i didn't know that i was bipolar until i adopted my niece because i just what does it look like for you um, I have really massive mood swings mm-hmm. and deep depressions. So I didn't realize that my tantrums were part of my bipolar. Right. Like it really looked like roid rage sometimes. Right, right, right. Like you just lose it and you don't, and I knew I never wanted to hurt people. Yeah. So I would just break stuff. Right. Right. Which is still just as scary yeah, and just scary. as bad. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's like, it's not healthy. Yeah. But I would just get really upset and really angry and I would... My my mind would race, and it it's I get triggered very easily hmm. over little things, like literally like that the phrase of it don't get what is it don't get mad over spilt milk or yeah, whatever yeah, it is, yeah. I would be the guy that gets mad over spilt milk. Right, like it's very difficult for even if I'm the one spilling it, like I just get very angry about the mistake, um, and I think that comes from my childhood of being the only biological of seven of I'm not allowed to make I was mistakes. just going to ask you that. Like, were you right. really well put together as a kid? I don't know if I was really well put together, but I did have my own structure that I followed and I still have my own structure that I follow. Um, I don't think that I was like super organized and I was terrible at school. Hmm. I was not good at, I was always good at people. I've never been good at yeah. books are not my strong suit. <laughs> Um, I love the idea of books yeah. and I love stories and I love storytelling and I love people's stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but I've always been good at connecting with human beings and talking to them and figuring out what they needed from me so I could get what I needed from them and hmm. just working out the world and the way that the world worked. Do you, was that a healthy coping skill for you? Because I'm really good at that too. And for me, it was, um, I could do whatever you wanted me to, I could be whatever you wanted me to be. I knew how to read you well enough. And it was really a, un, it's unhealthy if you don't know yourself. Right. It took me a while to figure out who I really was because I was constantly being what someone else wanted me to be in growing up. Yeah, I don't think I ever became what somebody needed me to okay. be as much so as I just, just read it. I could, could read what they needed yeah. and I would provide. Gotcha. And I would only usually provide if I needed if you, something in return. Right, right, right. Right, whether it was, even if it was just as simple as like affection or attention. Yeah. I also discovered through the process of all this stuff that there's only two ways you can get something, right? You can either manipulate somebody or you can bully them. Hmm. And the problem with that is, is that people have labeled both of those as negative things. Hmm. So you have to rework what your understanding of how things work is because manipulation to me is a positive thing. If you manipulate people, then you're making them feel good so you can get what you want. If you're bullying somebody, you're making them feel bad so you can get what you want. Hmm. And we teach our children to manipulate to get what they want. We just don't use that word because we think that that word's bad. Oh, you're manipulating me. Oh, they're very manipulative. Really, what we're doing is we're just using the word bully and substituting it with the word manipulative for conversational purposes. But the reality is, is when you manipulate somebody, just asking you to pass me that cup is a manipulation because you don't know that I want that cup or I need that cup unless I tell you. That's a manipulation in and yeah. of itself. If I bully you, then I say, you're so stupid for not sending me yeah, that right. cup sooner, right? You should That's, have known. You should have known. That becomes bullying, right? So when, for me, when I was able to learn how to separate and, and create these very black and white finite things of like that manipulation versus bullying or mm -hmm. kindness versus nice, right? Like kindness is good. Nice to me is fake. Yeah. So it's like, oh, these are social niceties. You're just... When people ask me how I'm doing, I say I'm well, especially if I don't yeah. know them, right? right? Well, I'm doing well. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Or I'm living my best life or, yeah. you know, I'm living the dream. Like I say these social niceties because you don't want to hear the truth. Right. Like you don't, right, right. you don't, you don't want to have this conversation. I'm aware of that in life because I can read people like the cashier at the counter doesn't want to hear how terrible my day is. <laughs> they're, they're literally just it's the hundredth they're, person. They're asked. trying to they're, pass yeah. the time Yeah, yeah. and they're being polite because yeah. it's their job. Yeah. Right. So it's creating all of the understandings for me of, you know, there's a difference between neat and clean. Hmm. Like this is very tidy and neat and, but it's not clean, Yeah, yeah, totally. but it looks clean. Anti-clutter versus, right. right. So it's for me, when I was able to start organizing my thoughts and organizing the understanding of those differences, that's when I was able to start to understand my meds and go, okay, this is what the medication is making me flat. Yeah, that's what right? a lot of people say. I mean, there's a lot it's, of that. It, it, it gets me to a point where I know that I'm flat. And then from there, it was like, okay, I can go down from here. I can go up from here. But the meds are making me have to work for the up and down. Mm -hmm. So I didn't like that. I didn't like having to, and it wasn't so much that I didn't like working to be happy because I always had to work to be happy. Yeah. I didn't like working to feel the negative stuff because if you were doing something to hurt me, I had to go out of my way to choose 
to feel it. That it hurt yeah. me and I couldn't set proper boundaries because I, people were allowed to just say or do whatever they wanted to me. I was like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Because I was. Sounds numb. Yes. Right. And it feels numb. Yeah. It sounds like trauma. Right. <laughs> a lot of, you know, you can numb yourself. Yeah. So you feel nothing. That People talk a lot about that. So what happens when you stop it then? So then you have to regulate it yourself. Yeah, but how, I mean. So the biggest struggle isn't the manic part. The manic part's actually kind of fun. Yeah, I get to do it. Because you just yeah. get to be yeah. really excited and yeah. have a lot of energy. You found a job for, your, for right. that. And then the the struggle is the depression. Yeah. Because if you get caught up in the depression and you really embrace it, you can go pretty fucking dark. Pretty yeah, yeah, dark yeah, quick. yeah, yeah. So you don't want to get stuck in there. So what you have to start to understand about happiness and joy is that it's not supposed to occur 100% of the time. Yeah, no, definitely. And when you're manic, it is 100% oh, of the time. Yeah. You are always happy and you are always in a state of joy mm. until you're triggered. And then you either rage or get so sad that yeah, it's just you can't get out. Be you can't get yeah, out of it yeah, or be yeah. around people. Yeah. So you have yeah. to start understanding how to balance it yourself and go, okay, Am I depressed because my life is bad or am I depressed because I am ignoring what's really happening and making up right. this loneliness what's and sadness real. in my world? What's real versus what's, what's right. biochemical, what's no, biochemical or whatever you're feeling. Right. So that's where I have to adjust hmm. myself and say, okay, I have a good job. I have a wife that loves me. I love her. Yeah. My kids, kids are healthy. Are yeah, yeah. I, I like my kids most of the time. <laughs> Don't right? we all? I love my kids yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Like, they, they're doing this. They're, they're doing this right. They're doing this right. They could work on this. I have a home. I yeah, have yeah. these nice things. Yeah. I have dogs that I love. I have animals and pets. And, okay, my life is good. I have to remind myself that my life is good. I have to remind myself of the good things in my life. Otherwise my brain will void them all and just go, you're, you suck. You're terrible. Like you're terrible. Like you're, you're a failure. Everybody's going to leave you. Right. 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 Everybody's going to stop being your client. All the people that depend on you for a job are going to leave you. Mm -hmm. They're going to create their own business and do it better than you. Disaster. It's just, yeah, it's complete disaster thinking all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's the worst part of it. And then when Mm -hmm. you're in that state, it's really hard to even be kind to anybody that yeah. you're you're the meanest you are in that in those moments because you think everybody around you is just out to get you and they think that well you already think I suck so screw you then I'll just be a piece of shit and then we'll prove it right it's almost like with foster kids how they be the yeah, worst the that worst they, they can, can possibly be, see be sent back, to see yeah. if they get sent back yeah yeah right it's the same concept um how, how do you how do you um rationalize the wrong word but what do you think about people who can't control it that way like this this works for you and i have people that i've known who even when they're in the manic stage are not rational enough in terms of behavior like them take not taking their medication would mean they could not function yeah which i think there are people there that so it's it's a continuum I think there's a continuum, but I also think that you have to learn the skills and want to learn the skills. Mm. I think you only do the things that you actually want to do in life. Even when, Even you when they're bad. Mentally. Yes. Um, 
not in control for whatever reason. Yeah, because I still think that you still want to do those things. Interesting. Like you, if you want to hurt yourself, you're going to hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. If you want to do drugs, you're going to do drugs. If you want to learn something, like if I want to learn Italian, like I really have to want to do it, not yeah. just like yeah. oh, yeah, I, I want to learn. I want to do that. Who doesn't want to learn Italian? I want to learn Italian. Who doesn't want to know? But I don't want to work languages. at it. Right. So if you want to do the work, <laughs> Tyler, look that up. To, How do we learn Italian without doing it? Not doing any work. Babble. <laughs> little plug. They should sponsor us now. <laughs> um, it, but it, that's the that's the thing is like, like when I was a waiter, right? I could take an order of fifteen people in my head, right? Because I wanted to give them good service and I wanted to remember their order. I would, but when I was not feeling good and I didn't want to be there, I had to write stuff down hmm. because I knew I would forget. I knew that, but that was attached to my money and my livelihood and my yeah, living. Yeah, yeah, so see. I am a very rational thinker and a very logical thinker, which helps because I'm able to rationalize. Yeah, but I didn't it. rationalize things when I was in my twenties. I didn't. Yeah. You couldn't see it. And in my teens, like yeah. that wasn't, that wasn't what I was doing. I wasn't like, Oh, well I'm upset now. So I, and I think, I don't know what it is for a, a well-balanced. Yeah. That's what I'm, you know, for me, the, the thing, so many, so many thoughts, like brain exploding. But the, um, the wondering that I always have is situational mental health versus bio, bio, biological. And yeah. I say that from a place of not being sure which one's true for me. Well, that's where right? we get into the yeah, whole like, nature versus nurture. Yeah. Right? And I just had this conversation with Jake, who was just on, and yeah. we talked for like probably over an hour about nature versus nurture. And I am a... And he, you know, he had me on the fence and I'm still thinking about, because he's a nurture guy. He's yeah. a nature guy. He thinks that nature, things are in our nature, like the, our work ethic yeah, and these yeah. things. And now having this conversation with you and talking about neuropathways and how they're developed by the time you're three, yeah. I'm back to, well, that's, na that's nurture. nurture. Yeah. It, it's really all about how we nurture people to become the people they are. Yeah. And his argument to that was, well, you know, there's no way to really study it, but they'll take twins and they'll yeah, put they'll one, put in, one, one in this environment yeah. and this environment and they'll they'll see how they react. And it's like, yeah, sure, you could do that, but every you, it is everything identical because if it's not all identical, no, then you it's, can't. It's not. A, it's not because a, the way yeah. I do something versus the way Tyler does something totally. is totally me. different yeah. versus yeah. you. So yeah. if, even if we take two kids that are the same exact age, you, born on the same day, yeah, moments apart, no, that's not the same. They still have like even. Even that moment, right? If you're twins, you never one have of the you, same. One yeah. of you was born first. Yeah. Also, you just don't have the same experience, and you won't have the same experiences. Even if you build two identical rooms and raise them in the same yeah. identical rooms, they have rooms, to talk to the same people. They have to be friends the with the same, same time, people. Yeah. At the they'd same have to moments. Physically change at the same. I mean, all they would. Things. It would all have to be identical. Identical. It's not possible. And it's just not possible. Yeah. I mean, it might be with AI soon. Yeah. Yeah, in robotics, then you could study it yeah, for real yeah. and just be like, all right, well, we have this AI person and this AI being, yeah, and, this, and this is what we're happened. just bringing this into yeah, yeah. this this bio human, and we're gonna see what happens when they. And then now we're traumatizing those kids just by doing that to yeah, them, right? Totally. Like that in itself is the its own trauma, yeah, absolutely. Right to find out you were well, the only two kids that were raised by bio, right, AI. AI, right? That would not be good. Um, it's coming, but it is coming. The um, you are born with a temperament. So there is a, that's just, uh, we're all born with temperament. It's slow, yep. slow to warm up. Um, these are not, I'm totally drawing a blank on the correct terminology, but it's slow to warm up, which is what my daughter was. Um, 
We really, can look them up. What are yeah, they called? It's three temperament. You're born. It's like, what are the temperaments you're born with? You just hop them in. But so that sort of is, if you were uh, placed with a person who is perfect for your temperament, your true temperament then would be who you are and how you'd grow up. You'd have to be in like a parental situation. I'll give you some examples. So a, a child who is slow to warm up is placed with two extrovert parents who just are at breakneck speed. Like they don't have a schedule. They do whatever they want. They're all, you know, all over mm-hmm. the place all the time. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a bad fit. My daughter's a slow to warm up child. I'm an extrovert. I had to learn how to understand her shyness. She's not, um, she's not an introvert. She's just shy. So she's a shy extrovert. Yeah. Very confusing, right? Like it, she presents as like an introvert, but the minute you get her comfortable, so it's like I had to change my parenting style versus my son, who's just a total extrovert, jump right in. He like, he doesn't need time. He's a, he's an immediate. And then there's the third one. So there's like slow to warm up. There's the one who's just really comfortable. And then there's slow, what I would say, sometimes they call it a difficult child. I was like the difficult child. Like I was really opinionated and, you know, I needed to be too. I don't know what I would have been if I wasn't. Yeah. In that situation, but um, so there is a nur- nature part of us when we, and then it's nurture, like the yeah. environment you're in. I mean, just look at you. It's impossible, just based on even educational opportunities that people have, to say that nurture doesn't have anything to do with it. Did you find anything temperament? Uh, the, oh there yeah, are three. three types of temperament: easygoing, slow to warm, and, and active. active. Yeah, so active is sort of the. So your son with the ADHD. Yeah, active. Yep. My daughter, easygoing. Uh, actually, my daughter's slow to warm. Okay. And then there's easygoing, so sort of the easy. Easygoing children are generally happy and active from birth and adjust easily to new situations and environments. Slow to warm up children are generally observant and calm and may need extra time to adjust to new situations. That's Josie. Children with active temperaments are often have a varied routines, eating, sleeping, and approach life with zest. Zest is a is a very nice way of saying they're difficult. <laughs> <laughs> zest. I'm zestful. It's interesting. Yeah. I just self-analyze yourself. Yes. Where would, this with, is what we do. So we do this at our, where would you put yourselves? Tyler, where would you put yourself, Danny? That's, I mean, it's hard to say. I'm definitely not easygoing. Okay. That's out. So you're. I don't know. I might be slowed to active. Yeah. Or like jump over the warm. Right. I'm I'm slow to active. <laughs> like gotcha. I go in slow yeah. with people I don't know, but then when I'm once you're in. Once I'm in. Yeah. Good luck keeping up. Yep. So that might actually be slow to warm. But you've got then you that's your who you like how you show up here in yeah. extrovert. But yeah, if like because the zest because you wouldn't be slow if you were in the active temperament side as much. Yeah, because if you invited me to a barbecue, it would be slow to warm. Yeah, but if I invited you to a barbecue, yeah, you'd it's be like, full active, <laughs> like just let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'd be let's go. Yeah, but my my partner it's so funny how we find people who are our complete opposites because he is he's like I'm not even going to the barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> like I'll be upstairs. I'll help you set up, and then I'll hang out up here. Total introvert happy being alone like he gets his energy you know do you know have you seen that show in the shadows at all it's a vampire show so my son loves it it's just it's really funny i recommend it for anyone it's not like real it's not like vampire like gross gore it's it's comedy anyway there's an emotional vampire in it and the emotional vampire like he (laughs) gets his energy right he sucks energy from drama and people having stuff 
And like, I think of extroverts that way. That's how we are. Like we, the more people we're around, like the more energy I yeah. get from being around people. And my partner is when he's around too many people, he needs to go sit by himself for two. And I don't understand it. Right. So he's yeah. like, just stop talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. No. And I'm like running commentary. I'm like, I'm going to go brush my teeth. And what did I come in here for? Yeah. And he's like, shh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me. So you talk yeah. about like slow to warm up. He was in a household. He is the slow to warm. You know, he's in, in an introvert in a household with four boys. You know, I mean, just the wrong setting for him. And whereas, like, I was in a household where I needed kids and around me, and, like, I didn't have any of that. Like, I had a sister, but we're five years apart. Yeah. So that whole nature versus nurture is, like, there is no way to say it's one or the other. Yeah. Like, we have stuff that I, I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have the life experiences I had. I wouldn't care as much about other people. I wouldn't have the empathy if I hadn't been traumatized to a point where, like, I can feel someone else's pain. It doesn't have to be the same experience, but I know what it's like to to want to die. Right. I know what it's like to be, like, there's there's no way out of this. Yep. So I can see people when they have that. Like, I can feel it. Yeah. Not not like feel it, but I, if they say I am desperate, I know what that feels like. Right. Like I wouldn't be like that if I didn't have the the nurture or lack of that I had. Yeah, that's the part that, and that's that's where the nature versus nurture conversation goes. Always right is well, if you're treated this way, like you go through what you went through in life, or I yeah. go through what I yeah. went through in life, and All then of us. how do you respond to it? Right. That's the part where it's like, okay, well, that must be the nature of people to respond a certain way. And I feel like it's the first three years of nurture that create it. The pathways. I think those pathways, I think I just, because of my experience with my siblings and my daughter, I really believe that it, 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 I just have to believe that nurture in those first few years just really determine and you can nurture it out and you can you, you can, can work ruin it, it out and ruin it <laughs> yeah, or yeah, or yeah. or help to fix yeah. any trauma or damage that was there like my niece was left alone multiple times yeah. and for, i don't know for how long or for right, right, whatever right. but and then there was no food in the house so and then there was yeah. like so it's whatever it was whatever was in her so like she's an active right she's not a slow to warm up and she's not a she's not like so those easy going She's not easy going. Yeah. She, she's active. She yeah. has ADHD. She's active. Yeah. She enjoys interacting with people when you put her with people. She's also like me where she's very good at being alone. Yeah. Right. So we're probably both very similar people. Like yeah. I'm, I also think that I'm probably more active than I am slow to warm up. Yeah. I think the slow to warm up came from some of my childhood stuff yeah, of totally. being bullied and yeah. getting picked on. So I was like, oh, I better be weary of yeah, people yeah, yeah. versus like, hey, let's go in here. Guns blazing. Um. Because when I was little, little, I was very active and very guns blazing. Like, let's go, yo, you're you like me and you want to be my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether you were adult or not, like so that's how I felt. So you had an experience that may have shifted the way you Correct. interact with the world, which is what nurture is. Correct. <laughs> Make sure to come back for part two to hear the rest of this discussion.